Get the Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I have the uh, death sentence on 12 Systems. And this week I'm joined by my co-host friend and the man who, just because he's not a clone, doesn't mean that he's expendable. Jesse, how you doing, Jesse? Oh, not so bad, but uh, Republic credits are, are no good here, so get out of here with that. <laughs> we also don't serve your kind here. We also don't serve your kind here. <laughs> and plays the same song no matter what. So, oh, All right, guys. Thanks for that. Uh, what should we do next? Play the same song. Oh, play the same song. Okay. Uh, those Family Guy ones had some pretty good bits. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for wrapping up this uh, month of May and our kind of Star Wars themed episodes, or at least, I mean, mainly Star Wars themed, then a little space theme. Um Jesse and I talked about, since we kind of already did something pretty inflammatory uh, last week by rating Star Wars episodes, um, you know, our own personal choices. Uh, this week, we decided that we wanted to talk about some fond memories, potentially, uh, some interesting stuff uh, in regards to another whole sweeping arm of the Star Wars franchise IP uh the video games that come along with them so you can really be immersed in that world and i think get that experience that a lot of us want to from watching the movies so both jesse and i have come up with uh three games that we both uh, have some recollection of and want to talk about and i'll let him go first with his since this actually is the oldest on our list here yeah absolutely we will begin our Star Wars video games chat with, I believe it was 1996's Star Wars Shadows of the Empire on the Nintendo 64, which in a way is an adaptation of the book by the same name. It is set between, uh, I guess it takes place towards the beginning of Empire Strikes Back and then fills in some of the gaps between Empire and uh, Return of the Jedi. So just to kind of set the scene there. And we talked last week, Miguel, about how we have all these Disney Plus series now to kind of fill in the gaps and uh, fl uh, fleshing out this universe a little bit more with you know some of the things that they either didn't cover or didn't have enough time to cover in the movies. And I think it's a little funny that back in the day when there were just the original three movies and maybe a prequel or two we had to turn to either these video games or one of the books in the now legends collection to to fill in some of those gaps and the hold that uh some of those stories have on people with their star wars fandom i just you don't always see something like that so before i get any deeper into shadows i just i thought that was kind of uh, interesting start point for this yeah i think it's it's one of those things where i remember reading star wars comics by marvel and a bunch of other stuff and this the, this even has uh shadows uh the empire actually has its own um dark horse i think it is run yeah, yeah. In, t in in addition to the video game in addition to i think it's the the like you said the book too so yeah, before we were getting major motion pictures, you know, left, right, and Disney Plus uh, 
series and things going on we this was the only way to get additional star wars content um to you know decades after of the original trilogy came out and then they were you know brushing off getting ready to bring in the new the the prequel trilogy yeah it's just i guess a reflection of the times but the risk of you know sounding even older than i am we'll get into shadows of the empire the game um so you play as the pilot dash rendar in this game who is an acquaintance of han solo and who arrives on hoth to meet with han uh to i think try and acquire a place in the rebellion and han you know let takes him in as a pilot so you get to fly in the battle of hoth and you know pilot one of those snow speeders and do the cable wraps around the ATATs and it's like going right into the movie and for you know mid to late 90s Miguel this is pretty freaking awesome for a kid just growing up so I vividly remember that mission from the game I thought it was very well done and I would never hold this game over say Star Wars Rogue Squadron in terms of legacy or in terms of being a better game overall or anything like that but i do have very fond memories of that mission and i think that probably stuck with me as being like if i'm playing a star wars video game like it's hard to beat uh doing a a mission or a, a battle on hoth or something like that i mean i think that's very fair i remember playing like a lot of these n64 games uh rogue squadron um uh, shadows of the empire a lot of these early uh pretty <laughs> uh graphically impressive for the time type stuff but now you look back and you're like wow that was like the size of that guy's head is just like one pixel crazy yeah. um <laughs> Especially um, if you play on an HD TV and it stretches said pixels, it's it's great. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I think it's one of those, these games just have such a particular, these early ones especially, I, I think, latched on so heavily. And then even like additional games uh, that kind of like this led into other games like uh, Jedi Knight, uh, or sorry, Star Wars Jedi Knight, huh, Dark Forces. And uh, I specifically remember Dark Forces 2 is the one I had on the PC. And it was very similar to this game, uh, kind of semi first person, semi uh, third person type feel to it, that uh, Doom type aesthetic going on. And they were just so fun to play and be able to experience like i'm part of the, i'm part of the star wars universe now it just really did a good job of you know making you feel like again you were as about as close as you could get to being part of that and recreating you know some of the some of those fun you know childhood memories that you know you would fantasize about so it's it's great um the rest of the game is not super great <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the game Although I, I still did enjoy playing it. I'll give it that. And the simplistic controls probably made it a little easier for you know a six, seven-year-old kid to pick up and play with, with something like this. But I can definitely understand, you know, people thought it was kind of clunky. The combat 
was not super great on foot. Um, the graphics were not very good, especially like some of the animations, like there's a sewer level where you are swimming underwater and it just kind of clips and, you know, doesn't look all that great. And I think the commentary at the time was that this probably should have been a, a disc game and not a cartridge because it just <laughs> couldn't handle what the developers were trying to make it do. But all things considered, it it's still, a you know, and there's been some bad Star Wars games, so it, it goes without saying, it's still a playable game. And the story, if you haven't read the book, I think is pretty interesting. Um, you encounter more characters and villains from both the movie and some that they made up you have a battle with ig88 and junkyards you fight boba fett and his ship so you get to do you know some pretty cool things given the time um so it's always you know i'll always have some nostalgia for it i don't know if i could go back and play it anymore because i would probably get really frustrated with the controls and hate my life but yeah, it's it's definitely the first Star Wars game I ever got into uh, as a kid, so it's it's always gonna have a place there. I feel like so I've ne I never played the game all the way through, but I feel like I saw like uh, a YouTuber, um, the Angry Video Game Nerd from uh, Cinemassacre. Uh, I feel like I saw him play through it, and then like it it, it seemed painful. There's just like so many like it's early still trying to figure out controls type stuff for a lot of these games. And they just hadn't really worked out the whole, the, the right turning and the right angling. And yeah. And then like, uh, there's like one section where he, I remember in the videos vividly, he talks about like, you're going through a tunnel and you can't see it's like pitch black. And he had to like change the, uh, <laughs> the settings on his TV to like, yeah. uh, like the contrast. So he could see what he was doing. But just like the natural settings on his TV just caused like it just to be a black screen you walked into. And he was like so frustrated. And then when he changed the contrast, he realized it was like a two, three turns and he was out of that tunnel. And it was just like one short little bit that never came back. Yeah, man. Uh, I think especially that sewer level would get particularly dark for me. And I mean, you're uh, fighting and slash fleeing from enemies under the water. So you kind of need to see if you don't want to die and yeah, I, I died a lot at that level and had to come back later in my youth and give it another try when I was better at video games. Cause <laughs> the game was just, it was hampered in ways that I think made it really difficult for people to get past that Hoth mission. And it's unfortunate cause I think it did have a good story and that's always can kind of help elevate a game, but the mechanically and graphically, it just it wasn't quite up to snuff. Yeah, but still well, fun game. I mean, yeah, it's it's important in the timeline of Star Wars video games. I feel like it's a crucial one. Yeah. And uh, just to clarify, this will not be chronological kind of games <laughs> here. So if we jump around a little bit, there might be some, you know, backtracking year wise. But uh, what game did you want to start off with, Michael? Yeah, so mine I actually it's gonna we I thought I would go with my uh, uh, my most recent uh, in the three that I picked. Just I don't know because I thought it because I really want to talk about this the one that comes the earliest in the timeline last. But um, so I wanted to talk about Star Wars Empire at War, which was a um, 
real-time strategy type game for PCs and you can play, which is the real reason I loved it is that you can play, you know, rebels, you can play the empire. Uh, you, uh, I think there's expansion packs that let you play, um, like mercenary pirates and stuff. But the real cool thing was that it effectively was the entire galaxy. You, uh, started with planets and you slowly moved around with your ships and you could do uh, space combat over a planet. Uh, then you could deploy your troops onto the planet and then you would have like a real time strategy game um, effect like that. And you would do base building it. And it was a lot of fun because you got to see a lot of different vehicles that you might not necessarily have seen anywhere else in the Star Wars. Like they definitely made some stuff up for the game specifically, but you know, as the empire, you eventually get to make, you know, ATATs and, um, other, you know, uh, scout troopers on, uh, those, the bikes and everything else like that. So it was just a really fun game. I'm a personal fan of uh, real-time strategy games. So it was enjoyable for me mm. and it was, it was a lot of fun. I always enjoyed it cause you could slowly build, up like a presence and there was different scenarios where uh you were like uh, campaign missions and storylines and all that type of stuff and you could also get the death star and actually blow up planets which was really cool <laughs> yeah really cool are you kidding <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it was very yeah and then you could also get like specialty characters like darth vader and uh, uh bubba fett and all those and like show up on planets and do battle and it was just so much fun i remember wasting so many hours playing it when i was in my youth um and kind of similar to how in say lord of the rings rts's you can get some of those hero characters as well to pop up and do stuff yeah very similar okay i, I figured as much <laughs> um but yeah no i mean it was a fun game i enjoy i remember i vividly remember enjoying it uh, playing it quite frequently and i think that's even why i liked another game that well, i'll talk about here um or at least this entire idea of like being able to move things around the galaxy and like attack certain planets and have ships and things like that was also another major aspect of one of the other games that i have on my list so that would be a common thread between two of mine <laughs> i'm a little surprised and i know Star Wars video games have just kind of been a bit of a shit show ever since LucasArts went under and EA basically acquired everything. But I'm a little surprised more attempts after this game weren't made to kind of keep building on Star Wars as an RTS because it seems to lend itself like almost hand in hand with that type of game. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why either. Uh, there are I just think maybe it's not what really sells uh, with I mean, a company like EA. That's that's bingo right there. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the real reason. Like it's <laughs> it's just not as like there's no esport behind it. Like in the same way, like you have to compete with StarCraft, and StarCraft is the king of you know that realm. So the you know mobile game or not the mobile games the. Uh, Games as a service games. Uh, they came out with the 
Star Wars Squadrons, I think, is like the most recent one that's come out that hasn't been uh, that wasn't the Battlefront games, the most recent editions of those. And it just if you look back, kind of just kind of going through the most recent Star Wars video games, a lot of them are either remasters of old games, Lego games, mm -hmm. uh, MMOs which is, you know, Star Wars, uh, the Old Republic and ones that allow them to do that service as a game thing where you get people to buy skins, buy loot boxes, buy season passes, all that type of stuff. So it's very clear that I feel like EA as a company is just pushing to the side anything that was filling in those other niches that helped expand the universe. The uh, I mean, the, thankfully, we've seen a lot of success or we've seen success. Thankfully, we've seen the success of uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Star Wars Jedi Survivor, where the first, you know, single player Star Wars games are popular. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I want to play a Jedi or I want to play a character in this world. A, an individual character with an interesting story is successful. So it's just maybe a matter of time before the RTS comes back in or even maybe a uh, XCOM type games are seeing a kind of a surge right now in a lot of different genres. So maybe we'll see a XCOM type squad based game here in the near future. Make a resurgence. Well, I hope so, because I again, I think it works very well in that genre of game and it seems like a no brainer, but <laughs> That doesn't necessarily ever mean much in the video game world. So we'll yeah. see. <laughs> but uh, I'll kick it over to you, Jesse, because it's kind of a segue into one of yours, at least, if you want to talk about that one. The next one I had was, at the time, I believe it was an Xbox game. It might have been on the PS2 as well. Um, it came out in the mid-2000s, uh, Star Wars Republic Commando. Um, set... I think shortly after the ending of Attack of the Clones, you basically take command of the squad leader of a squad of clone troopers, and you receive three additional troopers under your command. And it is very much so a squad-based tactical type game in the vein of Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. And if you don't know that going in, which I have a feeling a lot of kids, myself sort of included, saw this game and just kind of assumed, oh, so it's Halo, but, you know, Clone Wars, essentially. And if you try and play this game like this, you will not get very far and you will die a lot and probably want to give up and throw your controller across the room. And that's because the game does not reward you for trying to just push your way forward with brute force, much like Rainbow Six would not. You do have to efficiently manage your squad who have a very specific set of skills. Uh, one is your heavy weapons guy. One is a slicer and he can hack into terminals and computers and get through doors and whatnot. And one is a sniper and can cover you or take out enemies who would otherwise pick you off from far away. 
So you have to use your strategy and make sure you're managing your team well so that you don't get obliterated by your the never-ending horde of enemies that you face. And it's not quite as in-depth command-wise as Rainbow Six. I think particularly the Rainbow Six games that were coming out around that time, nor do you have as extensive of an inventory, I don't think. But I don't think there's been another Star Wars game like this, and I thought it was a really cool idea. And I appreciate a game that the more you adapt to the style of the game and use the mechanics and everything the way that they're supposed to be used that rewards you and you know hard to learn but you know if you master it then it's a really rewarding experience yeah i honestly can't think of another game in the star wars video game sphere that's like this at all and i mean you have i mean it's a first person shooter but Mm -hmm. We have uh, the Battlefront games. Um, uh, quite a few of the like for uh, the action adventure games are first person. The Star Wars Jedi Knights uh, game I was talking about that's done in first person. Um, and even then, technically in third person games, you have a lot of it's kind of semi similarities. But yeah, I don't think there's anything that's really put you in the boots of a clone trooper in such a way and made you and, t and makes you tell an entire story via this like military and uh war zone type aesthetic i don't think so and to my delight they did recently port this game to the nintendo switch and so i downloaded it on there and have you know, played it a fair amount. And for being a, you know, a mid 2000s, you know, Xbox game, it isn't as sharp as games are nowadays, but I think every, you know, everything considered, it still looks pretty clean and it, it plays pretty well sometimes. And I don't know if this is just a glitch with my game, but sometimes my, I can't rotate my guy a certain direction. So I have to like move, and like rotate the other way move and then i can like uh, spin to the left or whatever that's kind of annoying but otherwise the the port does pretty well so if you missed it back in the day like i think a lot of people did i, I definitely recommend checking it out if you're a fan of rainbow six or tactical command type games yeah i think i've seen some people play this online because i i remember it coming back out on switch and people were like oh remember this game yeah. um and it i remember seeing uh, advertisements for it when I was mm -hmm. a kid and I was just like man that looks so cool and I didn't have a 360 so I <laughs> wasn't able to get it I think when it first came out and so I was just like uh, a look from afar and I the whole idea of like I and this is like the first introduction right of like the independent clones I feel like the this like special forces with like the cool armor and like differences quote unquote between them all that we later start really seeing in like the Clone Wars um, show and through other media. But like up to that point, they were all just kind of samey, samey type mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I also feel like Star Wars had a surprising amount of console exclusives both ways, Xbox and playstation and and or gamecube so there are definitely games 
that you did not get to play growing up unless your parents were rich and you owned all those consoles but that wasn't the case for most of us yeah like like rogue squadron 2 is just on the gamecube for example right yeah just weird choices (laughs) annoying but that's two for me i think you're going to stay around this time period though michael if you want to jump in yeah so the next one i was going to talk about what it's a similar type game um i wanted to talk about star wars uh battlefront 2 uh quote-unquote classic the 2005 uh version of it not this modern one that got just flamed when it came out a few years ago but the reason i want to talk about this is because like the uh, At War series of games, uh, this one was, I got Battlefront 1, and it was, you know, it was good. It was fun. It was, you know, to run around as a stormtrooper, run around as a, I think it was actually a dark trooper was really good in the first one. And you just like jetpacked around and shot people with your blaster shotgun. It was really fun. And then this one introduced so many new features it had the you could do space combat where you got to fly ships and attack other ships uh you could fly you could drive vehicles around which was really fun you could uh play as specialty characters um you know jedis and bounty hunters and uh you know chewbacca and things like that and then it had like an overarching story too, the 501st um which was you know had little stories and like told you what was going on and they it it had this like really somber remembrance of the entire thing like it it was told from the perspective of a clone trooper kind of reminiscing about these moments and like it was after the whole order 66 thing so it talks about like you know that was uh, we when we fought with that one jedi on the the, the fungus planet she was really cool I, I i you know felt really bad for her type stuff and yeah it overall was like an incredibly fun game to play and that that was like i remember people like you could play it online i never played it online and i still had buckets and buckets of fun with this game of doing the similar things where you could go to a uh, galaxy map and slowly work your way around the system and you could play either during the clone wars or the time of the empire and things. So you could switch between those and play against uh, droids or stormtroopers or rebels or clone troopers or whatever the joy you wanted to do. It was, I mean, I just have so many fond memories. I specifically remember like one map there, there was always these uh, gun turrets that you could like get in and like, they were like heavy lasers that you could shoot people. Mm -hmm. And there was one particular map that for whatever reason, I remember uh just like sitting there and just shooting the ai with a sniper rifle they would get in the turret and you would just shoot them and they'd die and they'd fall out and then another AI would fighter would get in there and you'd shoot them in the head and they would die and fall out and then another guy would run in and it was not saying it was the most effective use of my my time when i would play that game but for whatever reason just i really enjoyed that (laughs) i mean it was just kind of fun to mess around in these games because you did have a a pretty awesome level of freedom to just kind of go out and do virtually whatever you wanted 
on these planets or in these space battles. So it was hard to resist sometimes. I remember land parties with these games, dude. I remember very heated multiplayer matchups going down, very competitive. And it was just, it was probably one of the better multiplayer games that came out uh, during those Xbox PlayStation 2 years. So great times. I vividly remember it was either this game or it was Battlefront 1 where I came over to your house. I think it was around Christmas time, so probably after. And I came upstairs to your room, and I saw that you had this game on. And I said hi to you, and you were, like, piloting a ship, and you got blown up, and you went, damn it, Jesse. (laughs) And so that stuck with me all these years. Like, whoops. (laughs) But also, that was funny. (laughs) I mean, fair, fair. It's. <laughs> um, I was in yeah. the zone. Yeah, I mean, and you could be in the zone, and I appreciated the the level of difficulty that they offered this too. You couldn't just jump jump in an X wing and go, you know, fly directly towards a star destroyer and expect to get away unscathed because those auto turrets will mess you up. Yeah, I remember like that was like the space battles, like introducing that whole thing where you could attack the ship from the inside. Um, And I remember there was like there was like some strategy because, again, it was just against AI most of the time I played. So it wasn't the the brightest uh, crayon in the box. But, uh, you know, trying to fly that fat gunship into the, the one from the Clone Wars, the like big boat ship into the um separatist uh ship so that would become a spawn point for your other guys was always so much fun and you always felt so accomplished when you you did that but most of the times i just got blown up so i was always just like all right fine we're gonna run around and one guy with a rocket launcher we're gonna shoot this inside a ship and throw some grenades and then i'm just gonna run out and die so i can respawn and go get some more equipment and fly back across and yeah it was a fun time yep yep (laughs) You could kind of pick and choose how to attack those missions based on what you were good at. So if you kind of sucked piloting a, uh, a TIE fighter, you could just go land inside the ship and just kind of do your thing. And <laughs> so, um, But the strategy did pick up against users. And again, that's where the, the shouting matches came in. But still a great game. I, I never did play the new Battlefronts, dude. Um, so I can't. Although I'm pretty sure what the answer is, I can't say what is the better game, but I, you know, word of mouth suggests this one is still the king. Yeah, I think without with giving credit to the like updated graphics and you know some better potentially like uh, user user uh, quality of life stuff, I, th- I still think this game though reigns in the sense of like just being a whole a whole and complete package given to you in one thing so yeah it was awesome yeah oh and apparently there's still like a bunch there's a huge modding community for this too it's still out there interesting um, yeah. i mean they there are so many mods for games that came out on xbox and ps2 it's it's nuts i don't know how people have the time but <laughs> all right i'll kick it back over to you jesse so my last one was an early Xbox game and it came out <clears throat> I think 
around 2001, 2002, and definitely when I, you know, got my first Xbox. And it's the game Star Wars Obi-Wan, where you control Jedi Padawan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, both before, directly before the events of The Phantom Menace, and also you get to play out uh, some of the moments from said movie. One of the things I didn't enjoy about the Forced Unleashed games, Michael, is that although I found them entertaining and it was cool having all these Jedi powers, he, Starkiller, the protagonist, was almost overpowered. I know that's a common complaint, but I'll, I'll connect it to this other game in a sec. But to the point where it was almost kind of, it took you out of the game, like the things this guy could do, which was like way more ridiculous than anyone else you had seen, you know, in terms of force users from any other Star Wars media. Yeah. So I'm, and we're, we're on the same page there. Where do you feel differently? I mean, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a dark side person at heart, so I love the fa- I love the power fantasy of playing uh, Star Killer and just being like, "Wow, I'm so overpowered!" Yes, this is what I mean. It's what I imagine a real Jedi that doesn't care about you know, like things like peace and you know, not causing pain and you know, being right or something like that uh, would be like. So I've always enjoyed the the power trip for those games. For what they are which is a dark side user just going cool i have all these force powers let's let's bring down a star destroyer great yeah i i mean again it, it is a fun game but i did feel it was a little too overpowered in that sense but point being some of the mechanics you see in that game i feel like there was at least a foundation for some of those things in star wars obi-wan um Similar concept, you control a Jedi or Sith, you know, depending on the game. In this case, a Jedi from the third person vantage point. You have your lightsaber, you have your force powers, you, you know, it's sort of an open world game, but, you know, a little more mission based. And I thought the controls were pretty cool. You use the joystick to swing the lightsaber so you can have some fun with that and do some combos your force powers vary from being able to rip a blaster out of a villain's hands force push an item to get it out of your way or throw something into an enemy if you want or force push the enemy himself if you're so inclined force jump you know to reach heights that you otherwise couldn't Uh, so you have like a decent amount of things you can do for you know, an early Xbox video game. And I thought this was, you know, really fun for the time. And again, if you went back and played this today, the graphics would probably kind of suck. I'm not sure it would hold up as well. It didn't get great reviews when it was released. But I thought it was a perfectly playable, you know, pick pick me up and have fun being a Jedi in both these new locations and also... Um, you know, scenes and fights from the movie as well. They got, I believe they got Liam Neeson to do the voice for Qui-Gon in this. Um, 
I'm not sure if they got McGregor or not, but you get to, you know, do missions with Qui-Gon, you encounter other Jedi and get to do some missions with them, including, you know, Plo Kloon and Kiata Mundi. And then you encounter, you know, characters from the Phantom Menace as you go along. There was also a multiplayer component to this game where you could fight other Jedi, which I thought was a kick in the pants. Um, and then you could play as different characters if you wanted to. So I don't know. I mean, it didn't get the best reviews, but for a game that came out pretty early on, you know, in our pre-teenage years, I thought it was impressive at the time. And I think other games have taken parts of this and then parts of the Jedi Academy games as well and used it for, you know, games like the force unleashed. So they were influential if nothing else. I mean, fair. I never played this game. I don't think I've ever actually seen it played. I definitely though, remember this box art, like yeah. the green lightsaber. Um, I always thought it looked, I'm going to be honest with you. And maybe it, it always looked off centered and kind of, Oh, it definitely uh, is off center. Yeah. yeah, it's like kind of like they kind of have them framed weird. Like I get like the lightsaber is supposed to be the center part, but like it, there's like so much dead negative space on the right of the cover that I always looked at it even as a kid and was like, this seems fake. Um, I don't like, think they had much money left for that cover art or and <laughs> <want> much. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember I remember seeing it and it, I mean, it made it was a platinum game, right? I feel like I, that's why I feel like I've seen it the most is one of those Xbox things where it like sold well enough that it became a platinum hit or something. Um, which, you know, I mean, it did well, but yeah, I never saw this game played. And now I'm looking at some of these photos and you were not joking about the graphics, not holding up. Like this is they're They're pretty rough in some places. Oh, they're, um, they were not great at the time. They probably look obscenely horrible now. But um, yeah, I think just with how the mechanics worked, because if the game was broken, not only would the graphics suck, but you would then not be able to, you wouldn't be able to do anything. The force powers would be weird and confusing. It would just kind of be, you know, a, a busted experience. But <laughs> as, and I think we as kids don't always like, things like that don't always stand out to us as much i think when you become a teenager and you get more cynical you're like oh these graphics are terrible but um <laughs> i don't remember caring as much about that during those years and i think that probably helped me you know see past that and just enjoy the game for what it was and i wonder if people tried to play this now if they wouldn't be able to get into it because they'd be like my god this is this is so ugly to look at i can't even <laughs> can't even handle it i mean yeah it does kind of look like a potato so <laughs> well potato or not it was a fun experience i think i still have it somewhere so maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll do a live episode playing this day. <laughs> but um yeah i have as far as star wars games go i do try to pick a few different things but uh, i also think it's you know the ones i did pick you know, did kind of expand like my knowledge of, you know, the Star Wars canon at the time and, you know, the do some galaxy building for me because I didn't read a ton of the books. So these three games, you know, kind of all did 
you know, provide me with stories that I enjoyed when the prequels were just kind of so-so back then. So. Fair. Yeah. And that does it for me. And Michael, you have one more. Yeah, I got my last one, uh, which I think is one of my fondest memories of a Star Wars game. Um, also, you potentially can see a, a, a trend in Jesse and I's approach to what we enjoy about the Star Wars universe, at least what side of the force we fall on. Um, <laughs> which we talked about in our Kotar episode as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, where like mine is like Star Wars Empire at War. I get to I get to make ATATs. Let's do this. I want to blow up a planet with a Death Star. Uh, Battlefield uh, Battlefront. I'm gonna play clone troopers, and I'm gonna play uh, stormtroopers, and I'm gonna play everybody, and everyone's just gonna die. It's gonna be great. And then Jesse's got <laughs> Obi Wan, uh, Obi Wan, a nice green Jedi lightsabers whipping around, you know, doing good things, and Shadow of the Empire, you know down with the empire another nice rebel story um that was, that was at least kind of a smuggler type yeah thing, so a little gray area there yeah a little bit of gray area um but my last one is uh <laughs> star wars bounty hunter which came out in uh 2002 and i specifically i remember specifically seeing uh ads for this and just think it was like the coolest thing in the world even one of my friends was i want to say his name was cody it was a sound name um in middle school he he like he was the one that like really turned me on to it was just like oh this is gonna be you know super cool super fun and it was kind of like a tie-in to the the clone war clone wars movie that was coming out so effectively you play as Django fett and it is the his prequel story and kind of how he became the ideal model for the clone troopers. Uh, he's just a bounty hunter, like the story says, and you go around and you're kind of globe trotty, galaxy trotty stuff, going to different planets, doing a bunch of different things, getting all your cool uh, Mandalorian gear and stuff, and you get to collect bounties and doesn't really do anything for you in the game. You can't like buy a lot of stuff, if I remember correctly, but you get to, you know, collect bounties that are like for dead or alive or just alive or just dead in some cases. And it was just kind of a fun third person action game where you got to jump around and Camino dart people in the, the neck every once in a while, shoot a flamethrower. Um, gunplay was fun. It was cool. There was just, just a lot going on with this game. And I just, I really enjoyed it. I play, I sunk a lot of hours in on my PS2 for this game and it was just so much fun. I just loved it so much. And it was fun. Like I said, you get to kind of learn a little bit more and see him, why he became the uh, ideal candidate for the whole uh, the whole cloning process because he d goes on this yeah. very big mission where he's going to a bunch of different planets. He's battling huts. He's battling, um, I think he gets ambushed by Jedis um, at one point. So it's a whole, it's a, it was a pretty fun story. Especially considering Django Fett's screen time in Star Wars is pretty much nil. <laughs> you know, it's just that one movie, basically. So that's nice that they expanded on that story more. Yeah, I mean, especially up until... I mean, to be honest, though, like, you think about it, between Django Fett and Bubba Fett, like, the whole Mandalorian race is only is very... was very 
sparsely represented and wasn't even necessarily represented in the best light since they got pretty much owned every time they were on screen um, for the most part, except for the one scene with the them getting off the planet and Obi-Wan trying to stop them. But they don't have a very good track record. And so then when you get to play Bounty Hunter, you get to be this you get to be a badass. You get to be this crazy guy flipped around, shooting guns, doing a bunch of fun things. So, yeah, it was it was a great time. Star Wars movies have an allergy or something in terms of letting their characters do cool things, and it always falls to every other media to pick up the slack in that regard. <laughs> so that's not, not a surprise to me, necessarily. Um I did not play this game growing up, Michael, because I didn't have a PS2 at the time. <laughs> and so here is another example of one of those exclusives that you may have missed out on if, if you didn't have that particular system. This one I was bummed about. I feel like I would have enjoyed this game. Yeah, I I think it's it's one of those ones that makes me sad that there's no conversation around bringing it back, really. Um there's no like easy way to play this uh right now um which kind of yeah. sucks i mean I there's a ps4 if i if i remember correctly there's a ps4 version of the game but it's hard may potentially hard to come by yeah i mean again there's a reason i keep that old school ps2 hooked up in the guest room of my house <laughs> just this reason when games aren't ported or aren't made available after you know their original release so that's frustrating for for those who you know are just trying to find it on the playstation store or something that sucks yeah and that happens with a lot of games so should i pick up this game do you think i would still enjoy it today it's a pretty i remember the mechanics being there's a little funk to them um i mean early 2000s game right so there's still stuff down but i think it's good it has like i said it has a very interesting story and it is fun to see how Django became this character that we know in the movies that we see there mm. and kind of some other stories behind it and like I remember not to spoil anything because I, I, I do think it's worth it, but like you get to the end and there's some very like poignant lines. There's some interesting story beats that happen that like make you go, Oh, I understand why this was a big thing in this, the clone wars movie or like this kind of comes to fruition in such a way. And uh, you even get to Battle of Jedi at one point, I think is like one of the final bosses. And I remember the swords, the like lightsabers, because it's a Jedi, right? They like block the lasers for me and stuff. It yeah. gets really weird because it doesn't look like the the Jedi has like, like it just looks like their wrists don't work and they just spin this lightsabers around, which I know is supposed to be like, but it just looks like it's just spinning in a, a pinwheel or something, which is kind of goofy. It was kind of like that in Obi-Wan too, when you would, do the combo and you could do forward you know lightsaber motion whirls mm -hmm. and backwards so i think they probably just copied that same mechanic from game to game yeah plus you get a flamethrower which is super awesome because you get to just light people on fire that is uh, super awesome yeah <laughs> flamethrower a flamethrower in a video game is always particularly satisfying for some reason. yeah because it's <laughs> yeah but 
you'll never get to use it in real life. So no, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I remember like also they had um this cool because you 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 do wield your pistols, so you had this cool mechanic where you you could like you would lock on to people, but he would also like just randomly sh like one of his arms like you'd be shooting at one person and maybe you'll shooting at both like you know shooting both guns at one person and then like you'll suddenly be about to finish them and like the game automatically gets you to start one of your other arms to start shooting somebody else which was really cool like because you just like you just look so cool you're just like shooting shooting and then like one of your arms just goes off and is already shooting somebody else and then you kill them and yeah it was just it's very interesting fun i like you know now i'm having very fond memories recollecting it and <laughs> I, I like i went back and like i think i replayed this game like three or four times because it was so fun well i'll keep an eye out for it maybe again we'll make that a, a dual live episode yeah <laughs> but uh i did want to mention real quickly too in the ob1 game if you pulled back on the thumbstick at the right time when somebody was blasting you, he would deflect it back at that person. And you could also just hold block and he would just knock it any which way, but you had to get the timing to deflect it and uh, kill the guy shooting you. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would never been able to do that. <laughs> it was kind of hard, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, I feel like this was a really good time period for star Wars games. This kind of, early to mid 2000s stretch there was there was some good stuff that came out yeah i agree it's again it's interesting kind of looking at all the games that have come out recently and kind of just seeing very similar -y type games and then looking back to the early 2000s the the 90s and stuff just like the variety we were getting of games mm -hmm. um, and just so many different types and so many different genres it was just it's real real cool yeah absolutely <laughs> and you know we did a full episode last year on the knights of the old republic games uh, and we went pretty in depth with how fond we remain of the i think the first game especially but also a lot the second game as well and our experiences but was there anything you wanted to add to that that we didn't get to last year I mean, no, not really. It's I'm excited that they're starting to bring back that single player experience as a whole for Star Wars games with the the Jedi Fallen Order Jedi uh, Survivor ones, just because it is it's that power fantasy, right? Like it's one of those things that I appreciate that there's these like mass games, but I, I want to. I want to be able to fly. I want to fly around with a jetpack and light people on fire as a bounty hunter. I want to. Not you. Yeah, I know, right? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, I want to do all those types of things because I think they'd be like I find them fun and exciting, and just kind of. I don't want to necessarily have to play with other people to get my Star Wars, video game fix. I don't want to have to fly around with a squadron of people, and fly a spaceship i want to be able to fly my own spaceship in my own little constructed world and story like a fully dedicated story so yeah yeah i would like to see more of that as well i you know i do still appreciate these games i'm glad they make the knights of the old republic games available on other systems 
I own them on probably more systems than I should. But I remember telling you last year I was excited to play the Knights of the Old Republic 2 port on the Switch. Um, not just because despite its warts, it is a pretty freaking cool game. But they were going to do like the, I think the extended edition or something along those lines where someone had essentially patched, you know, some of the flaws in the game and added to the ending because as you would remember, Michael, the game just kind of bends and you don't get <laughs> a whole lot of closure and they had expanded on that and, you know, provided more, more story for the end. And it was going to, be just kind of a smoother, more complete experience than the original game had been. And I was really excited about that because, again, I, I have a lot of fond memories playing this game. And the idea that, you know, some of those negative parts would be removed, you know, that was extremely appealing to me. And unfortunately, they released the game and they were going to do a patch that was going to add in that, you know, revised, cleaned up, you know, extended content. And the game was a pretty buggy mess when they released it on the Switch. There was a point where you players were reporting they literally could not advance any further in the game beyond this point. It just broke Oof. the game, which is even worse than in some ways than I remember the original being. <laughs> and then the developer aspired went like dark after you know they announced that this was that that dlc that patch was going to be released um in like the fall of last year and then that date came and went and there was <laughs> nothing announced from the studio and they have just gone radio silent on all that so that was disappointing because i was looking forward to that i think the studio either got bought out or they were acquired as you know can happen in the business world and maybe some of the things they were working on got shelved because they were also going to do a knights of the old republic remaster for the ps5 and that also to me was like damn if they can just keep the game the way it is, you know, at least honor, you know, the spirit and the core of it mm-hmm. and, and port that story and have all these fucking like updated graphics and shit. Dude, that could be an incredible experience because we've seen that with, you know, the Resident Evil games. And then that project two got canceled, not doing that anymore. So it, it was, it's been a rough <laughs> year if you're a Knights of the Old Republic fan, to say the least. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, I can play it on my computer and try to, you know, get some mods on that and try to bump it up. But yeah, at the base amount, it's it that's a lot of potential modding. And then sometimes it gets a little sketchy with mods. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully they don't shelve these projects indefinitely, or at the very least, I hope they come back to this universe at some point, either and you know a video game or this is just sitting here waiting for disney to adapt it or green light it for you know a disney plus series so it i've i'm always a bit surprised at you know the lack of prior prioritization 
developers, studios, what have you, seem to to pay to these particular games. So I, I'm just time capsules at this point, dude. Yeah, I mean, it it is kind of weird to me when you talk about that because there are certain we're we're in that age right now of there's a lot of nostalgic going around and there is a lot of media about that type of stuff and we just aren't getting those just seems to be like what be free money effectively like like you said i've bought knights of the old republic so many different times i've bought several games uh that are even new uh, i was looking at it and i realized i have uh, four different copies of Persona 5, which is not a Star Wars game. But like it, I suddenly realized that the other day when I was just like, oh, I have a physical copy. I have the for the PlayStation. I have the gold edition uh, Royale version where they added a bunch where they added some DLC to it on for the PlayStation. And then I realized I have both of those versions on my PC as well. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Well, yeah, but also in the same hand, it's like I. I I've bought it the why I bought it for the PC knowing I had it for the not the Royale version. That one was kind of dumb for me to do. Uh, but the original one that I bought on for my PC for just the base game was just because I was like, I love this game so much. I want them to like keep making it and Platinum Games is great. So I want them to get this money. So I'm going to buy it again to be like, you know, show that like, look, I'm supporting this company and I like this product. Make more of this product. Let's do it type stuff so i don't know yeah i mean especially because in terms of just creative freedom like there is a lot more room to play around in this time period where you don't have to connect so many things to already established canon particularly with these characters that everyone have such strong opinions about and so to me it's like this would it would be easier to get something more widely accepted from back here than anything around the Skywalker saga. But I don't know. Maybe they just don't think there'll be enough of an audience. Yeah. No more Skywalkers is always my vote. So, so I digress, but you know, we just wanted to do a quick shout out for those games again. Cause you know, didn't talk about them here, but they are, you know, two of our favorites. So yeah, quite, quite influential. This day, Bioware still can't get their crap together. I don't know what they're doing next. Yeah, it's the whole, the whole other episode. <laughs> and maybe we'll do that episode later if we run out of ideas or content. So <laughs> that's a whole other episode. All right, <laughs> we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Hit the Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what uh, we really think about it. We try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, depending on how much I'm doing that weekend. Uh, but hey, if we got something wrong or we missed your favorite Star Wars game, uh, feel free to send us an email at hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode. And like always, hey, keep it real. Thank you.